I will read from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place that while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in a cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory of the Lord shone up around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in the manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host." Appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests." When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see the things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph. And the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about that child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God. Thank you so much,、uh, Sister Yangyang, for reading God's word for us today. Good news of great joy for all the people. Unto you, born the Savior in the city of David, the Savior who is Christ the Lord. What a great day today to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Now, this is great news, and I assume we all feel that the Christmas message contains joy and comfort. 
that it contains light and strength and uh, lots more for us. But at the same time, um, in our daily lives, we at times might wonder about the truth of it all. So when you are in church, when you are there with fellow believers, everybody would say, of course, the Savior is born, and this is good news, and joyful news, and uh, very good for each one of us. But in your daily lives, you might feel feel challenged by this news, and you might think, is it really true? Uh, What should I think about it? So today I chose to give the sermon the title, The Challenge of Christmas, the challenge of Christmas. And I ask your attention for the fact that the passage we just heard, this very famous passage about the birth of Jesus Christ, is uh, part of a book, is part of uh, one of the two volumes that was written by a doctor, Dr. Luke. He wrote these books for a certain Theophilus, and this Theophilus was a man, probably he lived in Rome, Uh, he was not raised in the faith, uh, he was attracted by this faith, by the joy, by the love, by, by everything it gave. But um, in his daily life, it may have looked as a very strange message. And he may have wondered at times, am I not a fool to believe these things? I mean, should I really believe uh, a, a, a birth of a savior from a virgin? And could I really believe that a man who died on a cross rose from the dead and that he should save us and so on? He he at times felt attracted, but many other times his faith, his confidence wavered. Now it's a wonderful thing for us to be aware that um, Dr. Luke who wrote these two books, did not think of this problem in Theophilus. He's not a good believer. He cannot really join us. But that um, Dr. Luke could imagine that you have such questions, that you wonder about it all. And as a good doctor, he, 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 he wrote his books, so to say, as a medicine, so that um, Theophilus uh, might have more confidence that he might be one for this faith and that he would be strong in this faith in Jesus Christ. For Dr. Luke knew that it is very different, difficult. If you live, for instance, in Rome, not somewhere in Israel, but live in Rome to, to trust all these things. Now, um, he had been taught in the Christian faith. So, Theophilus knew, for instance, that Christ was born of a virgin. He knew uh, that Christ was born to die and to rise for us. He knew these things, but he may have had many questions. And Dr. Luke has done a lot of research, a lot of research, asking people how was it exactly. And he gave more details to Theophilus and also to us, so that we may have more confidence in the faith. Perhaps it sounds very strange for you, but it may have been so that in, in the first time when Christianity spread, many people did not know details about Christ's birth. So what we heard today about the shepherds, 
the angels, about the circumstances wherein uh, Jesus was born, many of these facts may have not been known by the early Christians. They believed in Jesus, they experienced his strength, but they did, know, did not know these details. But I assume that Dr. Luke has interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, and that Mary has given some of the details we find here. Now, these details were not just given to, uh, to be given to us as interesting details, but these uh, details about Christ's birth are given to us to strengthen our faith, so that we may be taught by these facts and that we may be strengthened by these facts. So, what do we see in our passage? I will limit myself to the first um, seven verses today. There is much in the whole story, but we have to focus. Uh, today, we will look first at uh, the time that Jesus was born. Secondly, we will look at the place where he was born. And then thirdly, we will look at the circumstances wherein he was born. So, the time, the place, and the uh, circumstances. So, the first verse mentions the time. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. That is the time. And pay attention here, pay attention that Dr. Luke over here and on many other occasions wants our attention for uh, this, that the birth of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. So when we talk about Jesus Christ, when we talk about Nazareth and Bethlehem, we are not talking about mythology. Theophilus knew mythology, we know mythology, nice, interesting, inspiring stories, but without historical evidence. But Dr. Luke wants our attention for the fact this is historical. It took place in a time you can check in your history books, you can check about Caesar Augustus, about Quirinius, about the census. These things are historical. And pay attention to the way, to the way Luke uh, describes the time. He says, in those days, a decree went out. Now, what does he mean by those days? Well, that, of course, refers to the previous. So, to the previous chapter, what has been described there, there has been described there that in a time when it seemed that God was far away, so God had given promises, but it was a long ago, time of David, long ago, um, you didn't see anything of it, you didn't feel anything of it, but all of a sudden, God began to act again sent his messenger, give good news. People went from unbelief to belief. Holy Spirit filled people. People talking about it. That was happening. And it is as if Dr. Luke wants to teach us something. If you think of our times, if you should describe our times in the history books, we know how our times will come into the history books. Everybody will say, these times are the times of COVID, of course. But pay attention to the verse, first verse again. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. So what is the main thing in history over here? It is the things God was doing. The things that never come into the history books, that do not come on the news websites, 
For instance, somebody going from unbelief to belief, somebody filled with the Holy Spirit, somebody hearing good news. That's not coming in history books. But Dr. Luke says, pay attention to this. For God is writing a history. And it may be hidden for the eyes of the world, but God is building a kingdom. God is bringing good news. People begin to believe. People begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the main thing that counts. Finally, we will one day see that in a hidden way, God was building his history. His history and his kingdom. In those days, however, there are these big things like in those days a decree, in our days the COVID crisis. And now see that the birth of Jesus Christ is a historical thing taking place in weird times. Imagine you are pregnant, you have to give birth and a man far away in Rome is so powerful that he can give decrees so that you, thousands of kilometers away from that, have to travel. What a weird thing that a man can be so powerful that, 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 that such measures can be taken. How must it have felt for the people? People could have been angry with all these measures, as we sometimes feel tired about all the measures. However, what we learn today is that this decree, so these things that happened in those days, were used by the sovereign God for his purposes. God was in control of the weird things that were happening. God was using these things for his own purposes. For we know from the Bible that the Savior should be born in Bethlehem. But Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth. And now, through this decree, they had to travel, and this brought them to Bethlehem, the place where the Savior was born. Now, a first thing. Theophilus may sometimes have thought the whole story about a Savior born for us it sounds like mythology. Nice, interesting story, but it is fiction. Dr. Luke challenges us here to see it is not fiction. It's facts. It's about facts, about history. I read, I think, two weeks ago, that in the Netherlands, the Bible was uh, the best-selling book. I was very happy. I I think it was the third or second place of best-selling books because there has come a new Bible translation. However, uh, after my first joy, I uh, felt a bit sad that I saw the Bible was the best-selling book uh, in the category of uh, fiction. I thought, oh no, (laughs) fiction. It was regarded as a fiction book. Now, whatever you think or believe... Dr. Luke would not have wanted his book to be read as fiction. He would want us to read it as a story about history. A real saviour was born in our world. Now let's quickly move on to the second thing, the place where the saviour was born. And we all know it, they went from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now... There is something special here. Dr. Luke has mentioned these two places, Nazareth, Bethlehem, but also pay attention to the places he has not yet mentioned. He has not mentioned, for instance, Rome, where Caesar Augustus was. He has not mentioned Athens, 
the city of the philosophers, of the wise men. He has not even mentioned Jerusalem, which was the most important city of Israel. No, he mentions Nazareth, of all places. Yesterday I read a story about excavations done in Nazareth. It was a small village with people uh, living there, most of them working in a town nearby where a lot of carpenter work had to be done. It's a real place. You can go there, but it's a very small place. Bethlehem also is a very small place. But in the word of God, people knew the Savior should be born in Bethlehem. In the city of David, the prophet Micah, we read this in Micah chapter 5, the prophet Micah had said, You, O Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and so on. So, long ago, a prophet had said the Savior will be born in the city of David. Now, if you lived in these days, you would have thought, it's so long ago. Can we imagine that such a thing will happen? Can we imagine that God will send a Savior? Shouldn't we save ourselves? I think this was the philosophy in Rome, the philosophy among the people among whom Theophilus was living. If you want to have a good life, you should save yourself. You should be your own savior. You should uh, help yourself and, and make your own future. But God had said, you cannot save yourself. You are in trouble. You, you need salvation. We all suffer from great problems. Finally, we will all die. This is because of our sin. But God, the creator of the universe, has promised salvation. He has promised salvation from Bethlehem. Now, when we look at the place where Jesus was born, we must pay attention to the faithfulness of God. And this challenges us. Many times we may think, when I feel weird, when I feel sad... I should save myself, I should take care of myself. But when we hear that the Savior was born in Bethlehem, we are challenged. Challenged to trust God for our salvation. To see that God is a faithful God who keeps his promises. You can trust him. And this is so helpful for ourselves as well. That in whatever circumstances you find yourself now, you may think, well, uh, when I'm doing fine, when I'm doing good, then um, um, yeah, I can save myself, I can help myself. And when I'm doing bad, when, when I see trouble, then I'm nervous, I feel stressed, because I see I can't self, save myself. Now the gospel tells us, don't look at yourself for your salvation, but cry to God. Your creator. He is faithful to his promises. You can trust him. He, he is faithful. He does what he has promised. He sent the Savior in Bethlehem, which means faithful to his promises. Now, thirdly, let us look at the circumstances wherein the Savior was born. Perhaps beforehand, people did not know actually 
about all these circumstances, but when we look at the last verses of our passage, then we see these circumstances were very, very sad. There was no place in the inn. He, he, he was born somewhere outside. He, perhaps they first stayed in the inn, for we read in uh, verse 6, while they were there, so perhaps they were in the inn, but when she should give birth, they said, no, 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 you, you, you cannot give birth here with so many people here. This is not convenient. And nobody would think of giving up his or her own place in the inn. No, no, we booked first. We, 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 we paid for it. And uh, yeah, you shouldn't come here when you have to give birth. So if it came to a choice, who should go out? Then Mary and Joseph should go out. The child should be outside. What a sad circumstances. A child laid in a manger, in a foot trough. Isn't this very sad? Why should we pay attention to these circumstances? Now, this has something to do with the form into which the Savior came. So, he is the Son of God, of the Creator of the universe. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But in what kind of a form does he come to us? He comes... Not in a glorious form. He comes, as Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, taking the form of a servant. He, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. So see what, what, what happens here. God gives his son, and how is his son born? His, born is son, his son is born in a way that he is completely outside excluded, very sad circumstances. Now why should Theophilus and why should we learn about this? This might have challenged Theophilus and it might challenge us that we must be saved not by a glorious person, a person everybody would love when he sees him, but it's sort of a shameful saviour laid in a manger, and if you look at his life, he will go his way from the wood of the manger to the wood of the cross. It's a savior you might be, feel ashamed of. Why? Why? Under such circumstances. Now, the aim, the purpose of this, I think is threefold. First, this is confronting us. This is showing who we are deep in our hearts. If we have to choose who will be the one who is outside, then we are all inclined to say, well, my neighbor must be excluded. I must have my place. I booked first. This is not just something about others. This is how we treat our neighbors. This is how we are, not only towards one another, but this is even how we are towards our creator God. He created us, he made us, he owns us. But what did we do to this God? We said we will be our own God. Nobody will rule us. We excluded God. This is how we are. How sad is this? This shows our sin. This shows our nature. Excluded. This is very confronting. It's showing us who, who we are. As if we look in a mirror. But secondly... This is also showing God's compassion. God, the creator of the universe, when we exclude him, what should God do with us? When we treat this creation as if it is ours and not his, 
Shouldn't God exclude us, say, go away, or I shall make other people who will serve me rather than you? We excluded God, but what did God do? Well, one day he will judge the earth, but before he does do that, he has compassion with us. He has mercy upon us. He gives his son, and his son is willing to lay down everything, all his majesty, his glory, his privileges. He wants to be born as a tiny baby in Bethlehem. He wants to be excluded so that we can be included. He wants to give away his privileges so that we can receive these privileges. He was the son of God, but he wants you to become a son and a daughter of God. He came to be excluded. This began with his birth and it came to a climax when he died on the cross. Excluded by his own people, excluded by all the peoples, excluded even by God. Taking our place and what we deserved out of compassion, out of love, so that through faith we can be included, forgiven. That he takes all that belongs to us, our sin our exclusion and that he gives us what is his his sonship his spirit his resurrection his eternal life his family he wants to give it to us he has compassion this is what is Christmas all about see how he lies there humbly as a servant he did not come that you would serve him he came to serve you and to save you do you see it? So, this confronts us, but this also is to show us his compassion. And finally, this is also to change us. The question today is, how will you move on after this Christmas? Your life will go on. How will you look at the story of Christmas, of the birth of Christ? It attracts you at times, but other times you may think, well, isn't it fiction? Now pay attention to this gospel, for it's clear that it is a historical fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that God is a faithful God, and that you should see his compassion. He sees you, and he is calling you through this gospel, and through his Holy Spirit. I want to change you. I don't want you to move on in the way you lived. Theophilus, the way to follow Jesus is safe if you see that God gave this son this love to you then it is safe for you to to risk your life and follow me to become like him he who gave his life he who gave everything great joy good news for all the people Unto us is born, in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. This is the news that we celebrate today. It's not fiction, it's history. God is not far away, you shouldn't save yourself, but God is faithful. And see the form in which he came. He came to serve, so that we might be saved and might be freed to live a life not of selfishness, but to live a life of love for God and one another. Amen.